Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of our podcast, Dean Thoughts, with your two favorite hosts, Adam and Mira. And today's topic is going to be about shaitan or Satan, right? So we're going to talk about uh, the issues that Satan brings to us, right? Uh, all the distractions and uh, just like a couple of ayahs and a hadith here and there. Uh, and right for the start, I want to begin with a story. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was narrated by hadith or something, but it's a true story uh, of, a, of a man named Abu Barsisa. And he was he was a habit, so he was like he was a uh, he was like a monk, I think, and he was a really pious man, right? So he would he was always worshiping Allah, and he was, uh, you know, like he was preaching whatever. So he was always in worship. And these two men came to him, and they said uh, they had a sister, and they said we want to go to jihad, and we wanna we want someone to look after our sister. So we thought of you because you know we know that you're like a habit and a good man. So can you say, can you uh, keep her company? And he said, no, like, astaghfirullah, like, I cannot be with your sister because uh, obviously uh, that that would be bad because, like, she's uh, non-mahram, right? So he would be like, no, like, I can't take care of your sister. Like, this is not okay. And they're like, okay, fine. And then later on, Shaitan comes to Abu Barasisa and he says to him, uh, he says to him, like, you're stopping them from jihad. Like, just take care of their sister. Like, it's not that big a deal. Jihad means war. Yeah. Um, it's very virtuous, like, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa Right. So he's like, you're doing it for Allah. You're doing it so these men can go and do jihad uh, so that they could be in high ranks of Allah. So just do it. You know, it's not even that big a deal. So he's like, okay, fine. He goes to the two men and he says, Allah... Um, I'll take care of your sister, but on one condition. I'm not going to see her or anything. I'm going to make her sure she, like, sleeps in uh, a house, like, a little bit further from me. And I'll, like, drop off food or whatever. He was like, they're like, okay, that's fine. That works. So they go to Jihad. And every day, Abu just puts food outside his house. And she comes out and takes the food and goes back to her house. They don't see each other. They don't talk. Nothing. And then Shaitan comes again. And he says... You know what, though? Like, she has to walk all the way from that house to your house to get the food. It makes more sense if you drop the ho- the food out uh, to her house because so people don't see her and stuff like that. He's like, you know what? That's true. So then he started dropping off the food uh, on the door of her house. And then time goes by and Shaitan comes again. And he says, you know, though, like when she leaves, when she opens the door and leaves like to just to get the food, people still see her. Like, it's better if you put it inside the house. He's like, you know what? That's true. So then he started putting it inside the house. He started putting the food inside the house, uh, getting closer and closer, right? Then more time passes. Shaitan comes again. And he says, you know what, though? Like, she's she's getting kind of lonely in there, you know? Like, no social interaction. It's been, you know, a lot of time. Like, maybe you should keep her a little bit of company. Talk to her a little bit. So he would talk to her outside the door. They would talk to each other outside. He would be outside her house. She'd be inside. And they'd talk to each other. Then more time passed and Shaitan comes again and he says, you know, you're making a fool out of yourself talking outside the door. Just go in. It's not that big a deal. Just go inside and talk to her a little bit and then leave. All right. So then he started doing that. He would go inside. He talked to her and then, you know, and then more time passed, more waswasa from the Shaitan, more whispers from him. And eventually he started touching her and he started hugging or whatever. And they committed adultery, right? Uh, which is zina, which is obviously a really big sin. So she had a, she had a baby, she had a baby boy, uh, and then, you know, he was he was in a trap. Like he just did something bad, and he had a, he had a kid with someone he's not married to. So, and then Shaitan comes again, and he says, 
like, what do you think is going to happen when they come back and they see that you had a baby with her? Like, you have to fix this. He's like, yeah, but like, how do I fix it? Whatever. He's like, I have to kill the, I have to kill the boy. So he murders the, the baby, the son. And then the shaitan comes again and he says, okay, but like, she's not going to keep her mouth shut. She's going to tell them what happened when they, when the, when the brothers come back, the sister's going to tell them everything. Like you have to kill her too. So it's like, you know what? That's true. So he kills the, he kills the girl as well. So that's what? Two murders. And where did and we start Zina. off? And Zina. Which are both from the Kaba'id. They're from the biggest big of sins. sins. Yeah. So where did we start off? And we're not even done with the story, but where did we start off? Pious man, worshipped Allah, he was Abid, like a scholar. scholar, always worshipping Allah, feared Allah, that at first he wasn't even wanting to take her. Okay, and keep in mind, this is a true story, guys. We're not making this up. All right, so then the two boys come back from uh, from war, and he, they tell him, he, uh, Abu Rasisa says, Your sister fell really ill, and she passed away. And they were like, okay, Abu Rasisa, obviously, Abid, he's really trustworthy. He's not going to lie. Which he just lied. Uh, and so he took him to like a fake grave. They made dua for her, whatever. And they're like, okay. They went to sleep. The next morning, they both woke up and they're like, you know what? One of the brothers said to him, I had a really weird dream. He's like, you know what? Me too. What was your dream? He said, I had a dream where our sister didn't actually fall ill, but she was murdered and she had a baby boy and, she, and he was also murdered. And he was like, I had that same dream. That's odd. So they went to the grave that they saw in the dream and they dug her up and they saw that there was the there was the sister and the baby both dug up in that grave. So they went to Abu Barasisa and they said, we know what you did. We know that you murdered, you did this and you murdered your sister. We're taking you to the ruler and we're going to have you executed for what you did. And, and look, and look at that, you know, like he's, he's in a, he's in a situation, he's in a bad situation. He's thinking to himself, like, how did I get myself into this mess? So they're dragging, they're taking him to the ruler uh, and he's thinking to himself, like, how can I get out of this mess? Like, I can't believe I'm in this. And then Shaitan appears to him in uh, the form of a man. And he says to him, Abu Rasisa, do you know who I am? He says, I'm the one who put you in this mess. I am Shaitan. And he says, I can get you out of this mess. And he's like, what? What can, what can you do for me? How can I get out of this mess? He said, all I need you to do is for you to prostrate to me uh, and I will get you out of this mess. He said, okay, anything. And he prostrated to Shaitan. And then he was like, okay, you know what? That's it. And then Shaitan just leaves. Obviously, Shaitan can't do anything for him. And then he later gets crucified. So what did he just commit? He just committed shirk. He just, he became kafir from that, right? He's no longer Muslim. He's no longer, uh, he just committed major shirk. That's like what, Allah doesn't even forgive that. So what is, what, what kind of, what do we get from the story? At the beginning, we saw Al-Wasisa was a pious man. He didn't even want to take her in. But Shaitan is not going to come and tell you, go commit adultery, do this right away. Shaitan is going to come to you with the smallest things, slowly, slowly picking at you to get you to the end goal of what he wants, which is for you to become kafir, which is what happened in this story, right? So he started off, no, just take care of her. And he ended with, okay, straight shirk and prostrating to Shaitan. So in our lives, we need to realize like, Shaitan's not just going to come to us like, oh, Adam, go like do this or do that, you know, like something super bad, go kill someone, go like, no, obviously you're not going to do that. Starting off, if you have some iman, you'll be like, no, why would I do that? But he'll take you like, just go see, uh, like look at girls. Okay, just go like hang out with them for a little bit. And go hold their hands, you know? 
to to combat that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Quran, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا He says, don't even come near it. Why? Because, it, like Adam is saying, he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that if you're someone who's pious, you're not going to automatically fall into zina. But shaitan has these steps. Oh, just look at the girl. Oh, just talk to her. Oh, just text her. Oh, just go out together. It's these little steps that eventually lead up to zina. And it's basically applies to anything, any sort of sayyah, any sort of haram thing that we do in our lives. Shaitan comes with these little steps and slowly whispers to us to do them. Like Adam was saying, because he knows that we're not going to do the big thing that he wants Definitely. us to do. Even look, look at your lives and, and how it's been playing out. And sometimes think to yourself like, okay, when I'm about to do something bad, can't I tell that shaitan's trying to get me to slowly get there? Where did I start off at first? Would you have done that sin? Probably not. Let's but Shaitan guide you to that. Let's look. There's an A, the one that we want right. to look at. It's perfect. Let's so, uh, Surah Al-A'raf, uh, uh, Ayah 16 and 17. Uh, I'll قَالَ فَبِمَا أَغْوَيْتَنِي لَأَقْعُدَنَّ لَهُمْ صِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ ثُمَّ لَأَتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ وَلَا تَجِدُوا أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ so the translation is, he said, now that you have led me astray, I will certainly sit for them in ambush on your straight path. Then I will come upon them from their front side and from their behind and from their right and from their left. You will not, you will not find most of them grateful. So this is obviously Shaitan uh, saying he's going to sit on the Sirat al-Mustaqlim, which is the straight path, which every Salah, by the way, we say, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقْلِيمِ Right, so guide us to the straight path. But Shaitan is saying, I'm going to sit on this path. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ambush them and make sure that I get them to do what I want them to do. And he said, I will come from their front side, from their behind, from their right, from their left, from any side that I can, I'm going to come from them uh, to make sure that they will not be grateful, that they will do what is wrong in your eyes. And subhanAllah, when you look at this ayah, shaitan does not say, I will come from on top or below them. And we talked about this, I don't remember which episode we mentioned Yeah, one episode we mentioned it. Um, but it's the reason why is because a lot, so from below, we know that when we do sujood, we are at the lowest point we can ever be. And that is actually the point that you are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you when you turn up to the heavens and you make du'a to Allah, that's the connection between you and du'a. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above us. So the reason why shaitan didn't say above and below is because those two areas are protected. Below when we make sajda and above because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want anything to be between us and him to be able for our du'a and our worship and anything. Like shaitan can't even block it. Definitely. But um, this, this reminds me of a hadith that I want to mention where... Um, Basically, it's stated that a person will be from the people of paradise. He will be doing good deeds and they will be living a life that is basically, inshallah, worthy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward in his jannah um, until the moment that they die and they will fall into one act of the people of, of uh, Jahannam and they will be destined to the hellfire. In the same way, a person will be living the life of those who are destined to Jahannam, to the punishment and the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the moment that they die. And they do one action of the people of paradise, and they are they are from those who are who enter into paradise. So we know we we see this. A great example is the story of Abu Barsisa. Like he was a sheikh, and he ended up doing kufr, and like he's going to Jahannam basically. In the last part of his life, you know, in the last part, whole life, he was worshiping Allah. But that also is a thing for us. If we are currently living a life that we're not pleased with, 
we should work on changing it to a life that we are pleased with. And vice versa, if we are living a life where Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us to the deen, it shouldn't be to a place that makes us arrogant or that we look down upon other people because we have to understand that this is all guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Plus that, you will make dua that may Allah to, uh, to keep you on the, on the path of the righteous. It's the way that we die that matters the most. It's not the way that you lived your life because even though you might have lived your life as a good person, you might die as a bad person. Right. And they generally say that the way that you lived your life is the way that you die. But there are special cases with people who that's not the case. Like, for example, Allah Right. Um, and then there's another ayah in Surah Al-A'raf that we want to mention. Uh, ayah 27. billahi minash shaytan ar-rajim. Ya bani adama la yaftinannakum ash-shaytanu kama akhraj abawaykum minal jannati yanzi'a. يَنزِعُ عَنْهُمَا لِبَاسَهُمَا لِيُرِيَهُمَا سَوْآتِهِمَا إِنَّهُ يَرَاكُمْ هُوَ وَقَبِيلُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا تَرَوْنَهُمْ إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا الشَّيَاطِينَ أَوْلِيَاءَ لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ so the translation is, O oh, children of Adam, do not let Satan put you in trouble the way he had your parents expelled from paradise, having their dress removed from them so that he could show them their shame. Indeed, he sees you, he and his company, from where you do not see them. Surely we have made the devil's friends to those who do not believe. So uh, obviously the one reason we wanted to mention this, at least the one reason I want to, is it, it helps show you uh, right off the bat, Rabbi Amin is, uh, he's warning us of the shaitan, right? He's saying, just as your, fa- your father, Adam, uh, and your mother, uh, just as the shaitan came to them. And by the way, let me just point out the fact that when Adam and, ha- uh, and his wife were in Jannah, they didn't just right away eat from the tree. It took a while for shaitan to, uh, to convince them to eat from the tree, right? Like, it, we don't know obviously how long, but it took a really long time. Uh, for shaitan to come and like whisper here and there to get them to eat from the tree. It's also scary that he even got a nabi. Like who are right. we if he got a prophet who literally like was in jannah to fall out of jannah? Like oh, right. what about us? Who we don't we like this world is filled with torture and like pain and Definitely. suffering. Definitely, it helps to show like we're not perfect. Obviously, we're gonna fall into these traps, but it's what we do to help. Uh, uh, to help. Uh, what's the word? To stay firm, we have yeah, to ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to keep us guided because. Without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid, we, shay- we can fall into the footsteps of shaitan. And that's why it's important to make da'a, to make death uh, gira, uh, like, um, uh, what's it called? It's called sabah, it's called masa'u. All of those, yeah. Right. Even like the ayah mentions that the shaitan is al awliyat, that he is like um, the most important kind of person basically for those who are not muslimin or those who are kafirin. This concept where like in our lives, we're going to be a slave to something. You're either going to be a slave to Allah in the sense that you're going to submit your whole life and your whole will to him, to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you, or you're going to be a slave to the money, you're going to live, your whole life is just going to be based on gaining wealth, or slave to like your wife, you're just going to be like literally a dog to her, or slave to shaitan. And we see that people who have sold their soul to the devil, we see that so often, by the way, now, like even like um, in like songs, like that like singers will say, like it's all over the media, they'll be like, oh, I sold oh, yeah. my soul to the devil. There's even like That's actually shitting, and, and that's all like sihr and stuff, and that's a, that's a whole other topic, but it's it's actually a thing, and kind of going back to what we were saying, I thought it was in the A's, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, don't even follow the footsteps of shaitan, because the minute shaitan gets a grasp on you, 
يعني it's a scary thing if Shaitan actually he gets to you at one point. And it's it's mentioned so many times uh, throughout the Quran. Allah warns us about Shaitan, which helps put it uh, how how important it is uh, to our lives and to our existence, right? Because Rabbi Amin knows he created Shaitan, right? So he knows what Shaitan's gonna do for us. So he always warns us, tells us no, like make sure don't follow khutwat shaitan, do not uh, engage, do not indulge in what they tell you or stuff like that. So it's important to always make sure that we're, we're firm, like we said from before. And then I want to talk about, um, like we're talking about shaitan and everything, but also it's important to understand that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to hold us accountable for all of our actions. So the good, the bad, and everything in between. But on the Day of Judgment, there's actually um, it's a scenario that's painted in the Quran where basically those who um, committed sins, Allah, they will tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it was basically shaitan who had whispered and told them to do it. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring forward shaitan and shaitan will testify against himself and he will actually turn to those who he whispered to and he will tell them, I didn't force you to do it. I just simply told you and you listened. So this is, I think, a reality that a lot of people don't understand and don't know, essentially, that even though shaitan tells you to do something, he's not forcing you. We still have this nafis, we still have this free will that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to choose to hear him or to disobey what the shaitan tells us. And it is hard because the shaitan really knows what he's doing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him that power to be able to know us and to understand what we're thinking and like our wants and desires. It's not power. But man. to a limit. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Quran, um, that the plotting and the planning of shaitan, it's weak. So no matter how strong we think it might be, it's still really weak. Like shaitan doesn't have full influence over you. And I want to transition into Surah Al-Nas. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfectly explains this in Surah Al-Nas. So He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ عَدْ بِرَبِ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَاهِ النَّاسِ من شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يوسوس في صدور الناس من الجنة والناس. So the, those last three ayahs are what I really want to focus. Where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, من شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يوسوس في صدور الناس. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He's talking about these evil whisperings of shaitan that are whispered into the chests of the humans. So why did Allah Subhanahu wa Taala say um, chests and not قلوب? Why did He say صدور and not قلوب? So they say that. It's kind of like, imagine it like this. If you're in a room, and you're like maybe like a hotel room, and you have a balcony. And if you close the door to your balcony, let's say for example, that there is someone outside on the balcony, they might try to talk to you, and they might try to like hold a conversation with you, but unless you let them into the room, you choose to let them in or not. You still have that door closed. You have the authority. They're on the outside. That's the same concept. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, sudur and not qulub. Because our heart is essentially... What drives us towards doing actions? What drives us towards doing good and bad? Allah, the Rasul he says, and he pointed to his heart, that this is where taqwa is. And essentially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards those who have taqwa. That's a characteristic to enter into Jannah, that you fear Allah and you stay away from what he prohibited. There's also another hadith where the Rasul he says that in the body, there's a, a morsel of flesh. If it is pure, then the whole body is pure. وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّ And if it is impure, then the whole body is impure. أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ Verily, it is the heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is literally telling us, Shaitan doesn't have control over your hearts, He has control over your chests. He's on the balcony and you're in the room. 
You choose to open the door. You choose to let him in and to let him influence your life. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's telling us. And he's kind of giving us, he's showing us the strength that no matter how strong or how apparent the influences of shaitan might be in the world that we live in today, we still have power because we are mu'mineen. And we have this power to fight what shaitan is trying to tell us to do. And I want to mention this one hadith um, where it's, it shows us a conversation between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Iblis. Where Iblis, he basically says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, by, your, by your glory, O Lord, I will keep trying to misguide your slaves so long as their souls are in their bodies. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he replies back to Iblis and he says, by my glory and majesty, I will continue to forgive them so long as they ask for my forgiveness. So Shaitan here, he is swearing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his izzah, his jalal, his power and his might that he's going to mislead us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he then swears back by his izzah and his jalal. So the same thing that shaitan swore by, that he will continue to forgive us as long as we seek forgiveness. And essentially, shaitan wants us to fall into his traps. He wants us to fall into his khutwat to, to attain jahannam because he wants you know people to go into jahannam with him. And we know that all, all the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're all khutwat, we all make mistakes. But that those the best people who make mistakes are those who constantly turn back to Allah. So especially during the months of Ramadan, we should use this time to kind of make repentance, to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to see where maybe like areas in our life where shaitan might have influence on us and try to work on them. I don't know, like work on seeing how shaitan is influencing us and how we can try to st- step away from these these footsteps and these khutuwat of shaitan. Yeah, especially uh, during the month of Ramadan, right? Shaitan are locked up. We try. To, we should try to break these bad habits that Shaitan has uh, made us uh, to have, right? And also, since Shaitan's not here, we can, uh, inshallah, try to go to the masjid more, do more acts of good deeds, uh, inshallah, to try to build good habits to keep for the long run, right? And we, I feel like we mentioned this like every episode during Ramadan, but it's important to remember. So, uh, inshallah, we could keep that in mind. And uh, I think that's all for this episode. Wait, I just have one more thing, sorry. Um, there's, there's one hadith, there's not, it's a hadith, but one time the Prophet Muhammad he was walking down from his minbar, and he said, Amin, Amin, Amin. And the companions, they asked him, and the one, the one, one of the Amins was, uh, there were three dua that Jibreel had said, but one of them was that Jibreel had said that may, I think it was like, may his face be rubbed in dirt, or may he like attain the curse of Allah, he who enters into the month of Ramadan and doesn't leave it having all of his sins forgiven. And the Rasul said, Ameen. And we know that the dua of the Rasul is mustajab. So we, like, we don't understand how amazing it is that we actually got to live and to see another Ramadan. Like those who are in their graves, if they could come back to just get one day in Ramadan, to just say one subhanAllah, or to just make one prayer during the month of Ramadan, they would do whatever for it. So this might be our last Ramadan. Like Adam was saying, we should take this opportunity to leave this month of Ramadan better than when we came into it. And no one should ever feel like their deeds are too much for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive. Because we know Fir'aun, who was literally the worst person to ever walk this earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us, the minute he was dying, when he was being drowned, the angel Jibreel actually came and was throwing dirt into his mouth so that he wouldn't ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he told Jibreel, that by my power and my my mercy, that if he had asked for forgiveness, I would have forgiven him. 
Imagine, Fir'aun, his whole life, he was telling people that, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la, I am your Lord. To worship me, he was killing people left and right. But if he had just at that moment of his death asked for forgiveness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Jibreel that he would have forgiven him. So what about us? I'm pretty sure none of us are as bad as Fir'aun. And inshallah, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his, his mercy, he wants to forgive you. Especially during this month of Ramadan. So turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make this Ramadan a jump start for the whole year. Take new habits. Make this a life changer. Don't leave this month of Ramadan same as the way that you entered into it. Alright guys, that's all for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Make and, sure uh, to check out our dua guide too. Definitely. Assalamu alaikum.